Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan, and you're listening to episode 178 of the Creator Smarts podcast. Last week, we hosted our fifth annual mastermind retreat for YouTube creators in the education space. This time, the event took place in Tenerife, and it was an opportunity for me to meet with many of our listeners and to meet many creatorpreneurs creator entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call these guys, in person. And one thing they told me is, Jan, what happened to the podcast? So I know I had I haven't been posting for a while, but uh, I got so much inspiration from this mastermind that I wanted to get back to the podcast and sharing with you all the lessons that we learn um, when running these events, working with clients one-on-one, Um, just discussions that we have with creators and other business people in the space. So um, that's what we're going to do today. Today I'm going to share with you um, the seven biggest takeaways from our mastermind retreat last week. Um, And I hope that you're going to enjoy it. This is the Creator Smarts Podcast, the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business. I'm your host, Jan. All right, so here we go. The Mastermind Retreat in Tenerife. This time we were joined by 19 creator entrepreneurs that are all in the education space, all selling online courses, and many of them selling language courses in the language education niche. All right, so if that's something similar to what you do, then pay attention to this episode. Um, so the way this Mastermind works, it's, um, it's a five-day event. Everybody flies in on a Sunday. We all have a barbecue together and then on the Monday we have a full day with mastermind sessions. So basically everybody in a group gets about 20 minutes where they can present uh, an issue or a challenge that they are facing to the group and then everybody else is going to give their input, right? So we had 14 sessions in total and um, yeah, I'm going to share in this episode, I'm going to share with you the seven takeaways that I think are the most useful for you, right? So the first session was from somebody who, so I'm, I'm have my notes here, right? So I'm looking at my notes as I speak in the microphone here. Um, so yeah, this is a creator, pretty substantial audience, um, has courses, and she is, she's a teacher in the end. I think, you know, sometimes it's just easy to <laughs> label people. Um, I mean, she's great at creating content. Um, no some marketing, but she's a teacher at first. And, you know, one thing that we often see with the people that we work with, um, you know, they often have a background in teaching and therefore it's very easy for them to get obsessed about creating new products because it's what they used to do, right? Teaching, creating course materials, that kind of stuff. So she basically, she drew out her business and she said, okay, I got this much traffic. It's all going into my funnel. Um, people are giving their emails. And then I have this course ecosystem. So I have all these courses. And right now, I, right now I'm, fo- I'm, I'm creating all these new courses. How can I grow my business? And, you know, the, the one thing that we said is, you know, and this comes from the more better new framework that Alex Omoji talks about a lot. Once you have a course... And it's selling well. And it's like the course that most of your audience are going to be interested in. 
if you want to grow your business, then the best way to do that is by doing more, in this case, more videos on YouTube, more content, send more traffic to that offer, right? That's the thing that you do first. Make sure that you have lead flow. Once you have maximized that, then you make sure that you do that you do it better, meaning better sales process here, right? So when we asked her about how our current sales process were, it turned out that there wasn't really an evergreen funnel in place, meaning there wasn't really a system that was an automated funnel that was selling her courses 24-7. She used to have a welcome sequence. So people opt in, they give their email address, and then you send them a bunch of emails for about a week with the most valuable content that you have, for example. Um, then you add some scarcity in that funnel, you give the user a deadline, you sell a course, right? And that's what we call a welcome sequence. And it turned out she had one, but she turned it off for some reason. Right, so step number one, maximize your content creation, optimize for that, send more traffic. Step number two, make sure that you have a funnel in place, right, which you didn't really have. And only then consider moving on to the next course. In other words, she was working on something that was not really the bottleneck in her business. The bottleneck was the marketing, not the lack of courses. And... You know, this is like the general principle in, in building businesses, right? Removing the bottlenecks. And yeah, if you're working on the wrong thing, you're not going to grow. You might feel fulfilled, especially as a teacher, if you can create all these new materials. I mean, it's always easier to work on a sexy thing, but it's not going to move the needle in your business. So identify that bottleneck and focus on that. Now, she said, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just don't like marketing. Uh, so how do I have to do all this stuff? And of course, the group gave some input. She had some ideas on how she could improve her her sales systems. Um, I, I think it was Oli who then said, you know, sometimes it's a who question, not a how question. Because if you hire the right person, they can do it all for you. So that you can just focus on what you do, what, what you do best, which is often uh, content creation, uh, content and course creation. All right. So I guess, yeah, these are the two biggest takeaways from that first session. First more, then do it better, and only then create new things, create new courses, start new channels. And then also, if you need to do something that you don't like doing or that you're just not that good at, then hire somebody to remove that bottleneck for you, right? Next next session. All right, so this is a person who has a big following on Instagram, and... She has courses as well. Uh, I think they were cohort-based courses for different levels of the thing that she teaches. And she felt, uh, yeah, she felt exhausted by you know having to promote all the, the courses all the time through Instagram because that's where the majority of her following is. You know, and sometimes she she promotes a course that's only a good fit for a small segment of her audience, and then a few months later, or a few weeks later, she pitches the next thing, which you know, is very specific for a certain sub-segment that she has. So it's only relevant to about 20% of the people uh, who follow her, right? And she felt like, you know, that she was stuck on this hamster wheel just promoting all these courses to an audience uh, of which the majority is not even interested in that course, right? So, um, yeah, relevance was an issue here and her having to do those promotions on Instagram. 
And then the solution that we came with, or that the group came with, um, was number one, you don't want to rely on a platform that you can't control for sales, right? So on Instagram, you can post something, you're never sure if the end user is going to see it. Um, email is therefore a much more powerful tool for marketing, for selling courses. Again, I say this all the time, but for all the businesses that we work with, that we work, that we have worked with, um, and also that come to these events, like the vast majority of the sales always comes from email marketing, right? Yes, even in 2023, um, you know, some people say that WhatsApp is the next thing, maybe in some countries, but if you're selling courses in the English-speaking markets, email marketing is still number one. So, I think a good analogy here is that when you're going to a party, a friend's party, and you meet somebody, you're not really going to sell your stuff, right? I mean, that's where you build the relationship. And once you have the relationship, you can invite that person to come over to your house. And when they're in a more intimate setting, like your house, in a place that you control, um, and if they're interested, you can offer, then you can make an offer. Right, so the same thing here. You use social media to get the attention, to get leads into your funnel, and once they're on your mailing list, you can make you can make an offer. You can sell them something. So that was number one for her, and then number two. Once you have them on your mailing list, then do regular promotions. Doing promotions on Instagram is more work than I mean. I guess it depends on what your skill set is, right? But sending out an email is generally easier than creating video content, right, with nice visuals and everything. So once you have them on your email list, um, yeah, make sure to have a promotion schedule. And a member in a group uh, talked about how they organize their sales and their promotions. Basically, a year in advance, they plan out all the la- all the product launches, all the promotions. It's all in their calendar, 365 days in advance. Um, you know exactly when you're going to pitch what product, what the offer is going to be. Um, you know, so an example of this of this could be um, one flash sale, one flash sale per, per month, and then on top of that, also uh, run like a monthly challenge, right? So that way, you already have two offers, two promotions per month, and then on top of that, you can launch new products, right? Twice or maybe three times per year. And then there is Black Friday. You can do a birthday, uh, a birthday sale. There's all these things that you can do, and you know you don't want to. You know, life can become very chaotic if you come up with all these ideas on the spot. Like, oh, all right, we're going to launch a product next week. Now I have to do all these promotions. No, plan it out in advance, right? And you can also see if certain promotion is going to conflict with a product launch that you're going to do later. Um, just take that time to to plan all these promotions in advance. So that's a tip from one of the members, and that's exactly what this person was going to do. She's going to focus more on email marketing and plan out the promotions in advance. That said, whenever you're doing a launch or a promotion, you can always mention it on Instagram, right? Um, I don't think you want to rely on social media platforms for your promos, but it can give it can give the prom it can give your promo some extra boost. Okay, so that's a little disclaimer there. Third takeaway, third session. Yeah, this was <laughs> this one was <laughs> this one was fun. Um, 
a good friend of ours who has been coming to our retreats for many years now. Um, so in his mastermind session last year, his problem was, I have all these sales systems, I have all these courses, but I don't have enough traffic. What do I do? And then the answer was very obvious, right? You create content. <laughs> you create more content. Just go really hard on building I mean, we had to choose a platform. We agreed to to focus on YouTube because, I mean, we're the most bullish on, on, on YouTube. Um, short form content is still the way to grow a new a channel from scratch, in our opinion. So we said, just go really, just go really hard on on shorts. And now, one year later, he hadn't done that. All right, so. During his session, he basically made a list of, of like the twenty things that he's done, that he did that he did do last year, um, you know, and it looked very impressive. But then when we asked him the question, like, okay, which of these activities moved the needle in your business? Yeah, the the answer was yeah, none of them. Right. So, you, <laughs> I guess the takeaway here is that. <laughs> It's more important what you focus on than than what you focusing. I mean, how do I say this correctly? Like focusing on the right work or the ability to focus on the right task is more important than working very hard on the wrong task, right? Um, so, I mean, this person knew what to do. Creating content, that's what we said last year, right? So his question was, I did all these 20 things, now what do I do next? And then the answer was the same. You create content. But apparently, I mean, we gave him the answer last year and apparently that didn't work. So, um, you know, we, we talked about the importance of saying no, right? What are some of the things that, if you want to make this thing work, if you want to create content content on a consistent basis, what are some of the things that you won't be able to do anymore? Right? That was one question. And then one thing I said, I said, man, what would an action taker do? I said, an action taker, they would sit out these sessions today, go to bed, wake up, and then tomorrow the first thing, write a few scripts for a YouTube short, practice it a few times, Get a camera out, record it, transfer the, the footage to your laptop, do some editing, and tomorrow before 4 p.m., upload your first video. That's what an action taker would do. That's how you start at Momentum. Now, the discussion went on for 10 more minutes, and I thought, he's never going to do it. And guess what? The next day, by 4 p.m., he had uploaded his first piece of content. And... <laughs> Yeah, we're really proud of this person. And um, everybody got so excited. He got a huge applause from the group. Um, we were people in, the, people in a group with, with millions of subscribers. And um, yeah, this person was just getting his first 10 subscribers. Everybody everybody was so proud. And guess what? By the end of the week, this person had, had published four or five pieces of content already. Now, the big takeaway here is that sometimes we know exactly what to do, but for some reason we just don't do it. And I don't know what what pulled the trigger in, in this case, but sometimes you just need to surround yourself with the right people 
go to another place because that's when you are the most likely to do things that you usually don't do, right? Once you're out of that comfort zone. And I think that's what happened here. So, you know, if you're stuck in your business, ask yourself what you would advise yourself to do if you were your own coach. And then just do that thing. Just execute. Because in the end, it's all about taking action. Okay. Enough about this one. Fourth one. Yeah, I think this was... um... Okay, so this person... Again, she was standing in front of this whiteboard. And she drew out her business. Uh, She mapped out her entire business. Okay, I have this traffic. This is the amount of leads that I'm getting. People are coming from YouTube to give their email address. I have all these courses now. Um, what do I do? I want to make more money. What do I do? Um, we asked her about the number of leads she was getting. And uh, she gave us a number. And then I basically calculated the conversion rate from YouTube to the email list, right? So, I mean, based on the data that we have, Um, If you have a YouTube channel that's education first, meaning you're teaching something, it's not an entertainment-driven channel, but you're really teaching it, it's really an education-first channel, then you should be able to convert 0.5% of all views to an email. Meaning, if you're getting getting 1,000 views on a video, you should be able to collect at least five email addresses. Now, this person was only collecting... I think two and a half email addresses per thousand views. So what's the easiest way to grow your business in that case? Well, you just get the double amount of leads, right? That's how you theoretically can also double your revenue. So how do you do that? How do you get more leads from YouTube? Well, one way to do it is by having more specific lead magnets, right? So let's say you have a video where you teach the past tense in, well, you have multiple past tenses in French, but you know to simplify things, a video on the passé composé in French. At the end of the video, you can say, hey, by the way, you want to have this cheat sheet in which I, you know, with the lesson notes, go here to download the thing for free. Or you can, get, you can give away the, uh, the transcripts of a podcast that you have. Something that's specific to the thing that you teach in the video. All right? And if you do that, you're going to collect more leads. And if you're going to collect more leads, you're going to make more money. All right? Then... It turned out that this person also did not uh, didn't have a, a welcome sequence either. I talked about that in the um, talked about that a few minutes ago, right? So that's another thing, because if you have one, you're gonna make more sales. Usually, between 20 percent of sales come from the welcome sequence. Now, this all depends on what else you do. If you don't have any, if you don't run regular promotions or product launches, that percentage is going to be much higher. If you're already doing other things, if you already have good email marketing and do regular promotions, the percentage that comes, the percentage of revenue that comes from your welcome sequence is going to be lower. But anyway, you need to have one because, first of all, a welcome sequence is not all about selling. It's about it's about building that relationship, right, and sharing valuable content. And if somebody gives you their email address, it means that they're interested in what they have to offer you and they give you the permission to sell them information about the stuff. Do you have? They're interested. 
And if somebody is interested, you should show them and tell them what you have, right? Because that's how you help them in their lives. Um, so I guess the takeaway here is that a way, a simple way to double your business is by simply double the amount of leads that you're getting. And you can do that by offering more specific lead magnets. And if that's not enough to, to double the revenue, then create a welcome sequence if you don't have one. Or just do more with email marketing in general, right? That was takeaway number four. I'm going to do three more. Okay, this, this was a person here who has a big blog, two YouTube channels, and two pretty substantial Instagram profiles. And her question was, how do I grow my business? <laughs> Very common question. Um, the thing here, I, th I think the issue here was the lack of data, right? We didn't know. I mean, this business is doing pretty good six-figure revenue, um, but we weren't sure where exactly the revenue comes from. Did it come from Instagram? Did they come from YouTube? Did they come from the blog? From what kind of videos did they come from? So um, I can keep this section short, but the takeaway was basically get tracking in place so that you can see where the sales come from and then double down on that channel, right? She didn't know how to do that. Actually, I don't even know how to do that. But you can go to Upwork and you can find somebody to set up all the tracking for you. Just give a really good briefing. Tell them exactly what you want to be able to measure and then collect the data and once you see where the sales come from you can double down on those channels this is a very simple um, business strategy I guess but yeah most people do not really, do not have tracking in place track I don't think tracking is the most important thing but in this case tracking could be the bottleneck of the business right so definitely worth to uh, hire somebody for I don't know fifty dollars a hundred dollars to set up those systems for you number six this was a person who had questions about uh, building a team. All right, so a few rapid-fire questions here. Do you work with freelancers? Was a question for the group. Most people in the group actually work with freelancers. I would say 90 or 95% of all people that our members work with are freelancers. Um, that you can just fire, uh, no, <laughs> you can fire them as well, but you can find them on uh, on websites like Upwork. You can, you know, you can send out a mailing, you can send out an email to your list. Um, it's, um, it's It can be a good place to hire, especially if the work that they're going to do needs to be on brand. Um, yeah, there are job boards for that. Um, Facebook groups, I won't get into that for now. But, um, yeah, you don't need to have any fixed contract. You can just work with freelancers and they don't have to work full-time either, right? You can hire somebody for six hours per week, 10 hours per week, 20 hours per week. Then this person was also worried because, you know, he heard everybody talking about that team, that team. And he said, when I think about a team, I think about like a football team where people work with each other all the time and where everybody knows each other. And he felt like in his business, that was not really the case. He was the person in charge and he had contact with everybody individually, but not, uh, yeah, there was no, people didn't really talk to each other. And we said that, you know, that, that's completely fine because you notice that at the beginning is just you working with a thumbnail designer, a video editor, maybe a course creator, um, you know, and, and it's okay. Like those people do not necessarily have to talk to each other. Um, 
of course you can always set up like a, a group on slack where people see what's going on where people are sharing progress but you know in principle it's not it it's completely fine if you are the one that's um if you are the central person in the business right now as you grow uh you know if you have like six team members or even more that's a good time to to hire operational manager or project manager um that works with you and then that person can is in charge of um the people working under that person all right but if you're just getting started and you have a small team you're probably going to be the the central person and that's that's completely fine so the big takeaway yes you can work with freelancers no, they don't have to be full-time, and it's okay if you're the central person. Last takeaway. This one was about how to work with your partner. I'm not talking about business partner. I'm talking about your your love partner, your husband or your wife, right? Um, so this was a couple who, at the moment, only one person is running the business full-time, and the partner wants to join the business. And the question was, how do we do this? Do you guys have any tips? Is there anything that we should take into account? Now, this was an interesting question because we had another couple in the group who started working together about two years ago. And a few takeaways from that conversation is that, um, well, first of all, and by the way, like these things that I'm going to share with you, these strategies or these tactics are useful in all kinds of partnerships, not just when you want to partner up with your romantic partner, but with any business partner, right? So step number one is setting clear goals, right? Okay, we're going to do this together now. What exactly do you want, do we want to achieve? You need to make sure that you're 100% aligned. Um, and then this person mentioned something that they did when they started when she started working with her partner full time uh, she basically created this list with all the tasks um, that had to be done in that business so this was like a spreadsheet with I don't know like a hundred tasks and um, they basically did this exercise where they where they looked at who wants to do what and what are some of the things that that neither of them want to do that they want to outsource and what does this list look like now? And what would it look like? Or what would the ideal situation be in a year from now? And I work towards that. And I think this was a really interesting exercise. And actually that couple shared that list to the new couple. <laughs> um, so I think yeah, they got a lot of value out of that. And then one thing that Oli mentioned is that whenever doing these partnerships, it's always really important to discuss the worst case scenarios, right? For example, what happens when you divorce, right? Are you going to split the business? How are you going to evaluate the business? Um, are you going to give your partner 50% of the value of the business? I mean, these are really difficult questions, but these are really, yeah, these are important questions. When we started Creator Smarts earlier now, we had all these conversations, right? It's always much better to have these conversations up front. It just gave so much clarity and you know, you can you can write down those things on paper so that whenever something goes wrong, yeah, you know exactly what's going to happen. And um, it takes away a lot of, uh, what's the right word? Tension? 
in the business partner relationship well and that's what you want right you want a partnership that feels that feels good that energizes you that doesn't feel like a threat uh, where everybody is aligned and yeah it's just a really good exercise to have those conversations before you start working together so the seven takeaways i will repeat them once more right number one if you want to grow your business first do more then do better then do new first maximize your traffic and maximize your conversion or your sales tra- your your sales conversion your sales systems and only then create new stuff Number two, you don't want to rely on social media for sales. Build a mailing list and plan out your promotions, your product launches, ideally a year in advance. Number three, if you don't know what to do, ask yourself what kind of advice you would give yourself if you were your own coach because often you know what to do and just not taking action. So take action. (laughs) Number four. An easy way to double the revenue in your business is to double the amount of leads that you are getting. So create track conversion. Track the conversion from YouTube to your mailing list and see if you can double that. Uh, play uh, Play by offering different kinds of lead magnets. Okay, the second takeaway from that same session was make sure you have a welcome sequence. If you don't have, if you don't have one, um, yeah, in a few weeks, I will record another episode on how you can create a welcome sequence. Number six, it's okay to work with freelancers. They don't need to work full time. It's okay if you're the central person in your business. They don't need to talk to each other necessarily, but you can set up a slack channel so that everybody sees what's going on and seven before you (laughs) let your partner in your business or whenever you partner up with anyone for a new business venture set clear goals divide the task in in advance and discuss the worst case scenarios before you start the business that's it for now guys i hope that you liked this episode and if you want to join one of our events then go to our website creatorsmarts.com and in the menu there is um, in the menu on the top you just go to the mastermind retreat and you see more information about the events Um, we have these discussions on a regular basis online as well uh, in our inner circle yeah, you can find all that stuff on our website, creatorsmarts.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks for listening. And if you know any other YouTube creators, Instagram creators, doesn't matter. As long as they are in education, they teach something in online. And if they have the ambition to create online courses, maybe they already have online courses, then send them to this podcast because the more people listen the more motivated I will be to create interesting content, Uh, the more power we will have to get influential guests on the show. And uh, yeah, that's also going to benefit you. So let them know. Send them to the Creative Smarts podcast. Thanks.